The phone conversation between fantasy veterans Bob Harris and Matt Waldman is a quick and dirty rundown of players, units, or teams from Sunday's games. Feel it or fuck it is our instant verdict on the fantasy value of a player situation, not the ability, effort, or character of the player. This is just how two old-timers in this industry talk when they got a lot of cover in a little time. Good morning, Matt Waldman. How are you feeling after the first Sunday without any football-related activities? Because I'm not counting the football-related activities that were ongoing as football-related activities. I think that makes sense. I don't know. I'm I'm doing pretty well. I I, I guess I gotta say. So, um, but let's let's talk about someone who seems to be curtailing for te- football related activities in terms of getting hit and and throwing passes. Well, he might be throwing passes now that he's single, but I don't know if he's mm. getting hit. Um, you know, hit on, and that's Tom Brady. Yeah, is he staying retired? I'm feeling that. Um, you know, which could always change, I suppose, as we get into the, you know, the process a little bit. But I, I, this seems like the real deal, right? I don't know why he would do it twice and come back. At some point, you start looking like a schmuck. Um, and I don't think Tom Brady, uh, that's on his list of uh, his to-do list. So uh, feeling it for right now. Uh, and not, honestly, I'm not expecting it to change. Yeah, I'm feeling it too. I think that he's been a little, <coughs> excuse me, a little more candid about some of the things going on in football and how he felt about it um, in this conversation. So in this, you know, kind of series of conversations about his retirement this time. So I think that makes sense. And and seriously, I mean, I'm just on a side note. I don't care whether these guys look stupid or not or whether they're, no, you either. know, because I think it's that, it, you know, these guys are so competitive. They're, they're built differently. So... Yeah, I think you're doing pretty good if you retire twice, <laughs> it, like, to be honest. it's Right. It is funny because you mentioned that, but I, I think the same thing about when I think about negotiations between players and agents or, like, the players' union. I mean, the players are the kind of people who say, okay, I'll settle, right? I mean, they're, <laughs> I'm going to come smash you in the mouth, knock you down, step on you, and then we'll talk about it yeah. some more. And you so, keep, yeah, and I'm with you. Everyone keeps telling me that I can't do it throughout my entire career, that the odds are <laughs> in some way, either you're not good enough or the odds are unlikely or, you know, it's unlikely <laughs> this will ever happen again. And uh, they spend their lives proving people wrong. I mean, I, I will really, say I heard, uh, you know, just happened to be floating through my uh, Twitter timeline there. Uh, Mel Kuyper's uh, draft day assessment when the pick was made and it was pretty pretty good assessment i mean he had a nailed pretty good just you know that he'd be a good fit that had the things he does well uh nailed down really well the things he didn't do you know well nailed down as well i thought it was pretty uh pretty good assessment yeah uh, russ landy had probably one of the highest assessments of tom brady and at that time i think he had it was a russ. third round grade so russ russ you know credit to russ and to uh to mel kuyper for sure so how about sean payton in denver you feeling that I guess, you know, as much as Denver is, right? I mean, he was not the, the third option. Uh, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll shade that to, 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 to acknowledge. I mean, I think he was probably would have been the first option easily had there not been the cost associated, not just in terms of uh, draft picks that you got to send back to the Saints, but he was expensive too. He's making like Walmart, you know, a listen, year. Walmart ain't going to, Walmart's not going to stop being Walmart. Right. Well, and so they, you know, and to their credit, I mean, I think D'Amico Ryan seems like a guy, you know, talked to Aaron Wilson, uh, you know, who covers the Texans closely and 
he's super high on D'Amico Ryans. And I guess this, he's a really good people person and has real good energy. And, and so I see why Denver maybe, you know, was focused on him. Uh, and then maybe talk to Jim Harbaugh just to see before they put the outlay for Sean Payton. But now that he's there, uh, yeah, I'm kind of feeling it a little bit. I mean, he's been a pretty successful coach over the course of time, and we've seen other coaches uh, swap teams and uh, and have a great deal of success. I'm looking at you, Bill Parcells, among others. I mean, it's not like it never happens. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm feeling it a little bit. I'm totally feeling Sean Payton in Denver, and I think that, like you said, it's the cost-related thing. They wanted to go the cheap, young, unproven guy who was the hot name that ESPN would talk about so that, therefore, um, you know, the owners would pay attention to that because that's how much they know is basically whatever they watch on ESPN, um, you know, in terms of who the hot hot guy is. Because if they came up with somebody who might have been an awesome coaching whiz and great people person out of Youngstown State, it probably wouldn't have happened. You know, um, but, you know, even if like everybody at a coaching clinic would tell you that he was awesome. So Peyton is obviously the third choice, but not based on ability, but based right. on cost. So it would have been the first, I think, had he not yeah. been had this cost associated. So so with the, you know, that translate that kind of transitions to our next topic, which I'll just begin and say, I'm totally feeling the Russell Wilson rebound. I was before, but only because, I mean, when I scouted Russell Wilson, I thought, let him let him be in a system in the way that Sean Payton created a system for Drew Brees to allow him, you know, um, with different types of drops and drop styles to create open lanes to throw through um, to to do a lot of different types of work with movement and to be able to um, really cater an offense towards a certain style of player. And I think Russell Wilson always, to me, had a good comp with Drew Brees in terms of the style of player. Just a little bit more mobile, maybe not quite as good as Brees in the pocket and certain types of reads. Um, but Wilson is a fine player, and I think that with a healthier team around him, he can he, he easily can have a rebound. How about you? You hit on all the high points, uh, you know, and I think it's, you know, Teams don't make excuses based on injuries, but they easily could have, uh, especially along the offensive line was an issue, and in Javante Williams, obviously, and on defense as well. So lots of that. Uh, poor, you know, management, game management by the incoming head coach, I think cost them, you know, a little bit. I don't know that that explains, you know, the horrible play of Russell Wilson at times, but, sure. you know, he has a long history of great play. Sean Payton has a long history of great coaching. If I'm catching a discount on Russell Wilson, I will gladly be reaping the benefits. Yeah, same here. I think it... and taking my chance. Like it's got to be late enough so that I, then when I have to move on, when he when last year's Russell Wilson is you know reappears, that I can do that. But I think that's what you'll pay. I don't think you'll have to pay serious freight there. No, I don't think you will either. He's a dented can in dynasty leagues too, so I'll ah. take a chance on him there. T. Higgins is he a wide receiver one for another team if traded? Yeah, if traded. Uh, you know, and I, well, we'll see what his demands are. I know that's the scuttlebutt is, you know, if he makes a huge demand, I don't know who's sending this message, you know, whether this is the brushback to say, don't ask for a huge contract or or maybe his side saying, hey, we want a huge contract or, you know, be willing to trade us. But we've seen this is kind of the, you know, the approach teams are taking. They're either, you know, there are teams that are willing to pay up for the receiving talent. Look, they know they're going to have to pay Jamar Chase at some point soon. They know they're they're fixing to pay Joe Burrow. They just got a new stadium rights deal last year for the first time ever for the for the Bengals. Not notoriously big spenders, so it, it could actually happen. And so if it does, yes, you could be a wide receiver one on another team easily. 
Yeah, I think T. Higgins is kind of in that Melvin Gordon range of what what wide receivers are to running backs. Where Melvin Gordon, when he was having near elite or elite level production with the Chargers, and then demanded his contract and it didn't happen, um, and you could say that maybe Melvin Gordon thought that he was a little better than what the NFL thought he was. Um, I actually. I'm going to say, fuck that. T. Higgins is not a wide receiver one for another team. But it's so close that I I look at it this way. He's a, in the right scheme, he's like Mike Williams to Keenan Allen in that sense. He's been that way right now with Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is the better overall receiver. T. Higgins is a, but T. Higgins is an excellent starting receiver in the league. I just don't think he's the guy that you match up on timing routes one-on-one and ask him to break back to the quarterback or break across the field against the top cornerback with certain types of routes. He's more of a go-up-and-get-it receiver who can run double moves. He can run boundary routes. There's a lot of things he can do like a wide receiver one, but he can't do everything that way. So he's going to need another player. Let's put a finer point on it. Is somebody out there going to be willing to pay him if this is the case, $25 million a year, the going rate? Or wide receivers, wide receiver ones. I don't think so, and I think Twitter's going to be in an uproar about it. They're going to be like, how you know, they're going to do all the analytics, and they're going to sit there and talk about all the things with modeling that doesn't quite fit. It overfits the situation, and they're going to be talking about how T. Higgins is getting, um, you know, screwed by by an NFL team when he's <sighs> in reality. I think that he's probably asking for a little much. He's that, but it's that. If, he, close. if, if any of this is true, right? Also. Twitter being in, a, in an uproar, feeling or fucking it. Oh, I feel it every single minute that I'm on Twitter. So there you have that. There you go. Perfect. Zach Wilson developing into a starter from a backup, say, a la Geno Smith. That's what the that's the nice little PR part that the Jets are saying right now. Are you feeling that think, idea? I don't think the Jets are actually feeling that idea. Yeah, um, probably, not. probably not, but I probably wouldn't have felt it about Geno Smith. Stranger things have happened. I mean, uh, this, this is starting to look like uh, the... The uh, Josh Rosen redux here, uh, you know. I mean, it just uh, it, it, it's starting to to have that feeling, and it seems like this kid can throw the football, and uh, that's apparently only part of the job requirement of an NFL quarterback. Yeah, I think the you know Steve Smith says it really well, and it's something that kind of echoes what the RSP talks about a lot, which is you know the best quarterbacks have really high processors, really fast processors. And Zach Wilson just never really had a fast processor when it came to, to, to the game. Everything from the neck down was great. He's probably a smart guy, but it's a different type of intelligence that you have to have as a quarterback. And so he can diagram things all he wants, but at the same time, can he respond, you know, read, react, and respond quickly to what's going on? Gino always had that bit of a processor, he had a higher grade. For me than Zach Wilson did I'm I'm not buying it. I think fuck it you know in the same way that Josh Rosen probably in terms of his behavior was more of a driving force <laughs> than it was what he could do between the between the ears and with his arm um Mike Jacecki is he a fantasy tight end one elsewhere <laughs> like a top 12 tight end more feeling it than fucking it, and uh, that's going to depend on the landing spot. If he lands in uh, San Francisco, not. Nah. But, I mean, it, it seems like he was not a good scheme fit, as the kids would say. Um, and every opportunity he gets to make an acrobatic catch or a highlight real play, he seems to make it. So I think somebody will give him an opportunity to do that and maybe give him ample opportunities to do that uh, in an offense where, you know, like, <clears throat> let's say, I don't know, 
Detroit, right? Where uh, they have TJ Hawkinson, a super high value play for them that had three touchdown catches last year. When he left, uh, they cobbled together nine touchdown catches with a, a ragtag assemblage of nobodies. All due respect to those nobodies. They seem like nice people. Um, the uh, so, but and, and I don't know that he's a great fit for that offense. But I mean, I think there are places that make better use of the tight end or his skills than Mike McDaniel. Yeah, I'd say that's a, in a zone, in an offense where you can create a lot of zone looks, where you're you're running routes against zone. Mike Jacecki can be a tight end one elsewhere if he's going to be expected to win one on one or win from an inline position rather than a two point stance then fuck that. Exactly. So I think that's the two spots there. Joshua Kelly, you know, Kellen Moore, who jumped ship to the um, Chargers, said Joshua Kelly at the end of the year, watching the tape, he looks like someone that we could be developing things for to to, to really kind <clears throat> of do more with him in 2023. Do you think he grows into a co-starter role during his career um, with Austin, or, or even maybe this year with Austin Eckler? I know those are two different questions. So feeling which one, fucking which one? I don't uh, have my 2020 uh, RSP opened at the moment to uh, the page that uh, prominently features Joshua Kelly, but I can tell you that it says that I should be feeling this. Um, you know, the, the, the skills are there. I don't know. To me, I mean, they, they drafted another guy last year in Isaiah Spiller, who was like the third running back on most mm -hmm. people's list. So uh, I... Color me skeptical. The Chargers have taken three swings at this. So I'm going to include Larry Roundtree, the third in the mix there, and, and have come up short and probably wish they had Justin Jackson back. So uh, not necessarily feeling it, but open to it. Yeah, I'd say I'm, I'm in agreement with that. I You know, I like... I like what jo Josh Kelly has steadily improved over his career, but he didn't start as strong as as I hoped that he would, and and the Chargers got impatient, and then he kind of he's now kind of said, "Hey, wait a minute, hold the phone." So, but I agree, you know, CJ, you know, or excuse me, Isaiah Spiller. I was going to say Fred Spiller. I was going to go through all the Spillers, um, <laughs> but you know, Isaiah Spiller certainly has talent, but I, I would say that he's a lot closer to Joshua Kelly. In, in ability than what people thought. Cam Akers, I don't think there, after, by the year's end, I don't think there was any doubt that he looked back, especially with that ragtag offensive line and no quarterback in L.A. Is he a top 12 fantasy running back in 2023? You feeling that? Uh, he was a league winner. I think I don't think you'll have to pay that freight. I'm, I think people remain skeptical of this, and uh, I hope to leverage that. I'm feeling that possibility. We thought he was that going into last season. Or I'll say early best balls. You saw him going. I saw him going the first round in some drafts. I always thought that was too high. Uh, that said, uh, what we saw down the stretch with the you know the, the issue you mentioned, the offensive line there was almost uh, he was the only thing working in that offense. Uh, maybe slightly Tyler Higby. Uh, so yeah, I'm kind of feeling the the possibility of that, but but mostly because I can that I, I think we'll be able to get him at a little cheaper price. I'm totally feeling it, and I'm laughing because I've seen some analysis. People say, well, they should give him more wide zone runs, and I think, well, you know, what's funny is that when he was at FSU, where he starred was on gap plays, and the NFL is going to more and more gap plays. So if you let Cam Akers run gap, you're letting him play to his strengths. Wide zone's nice. He's gotten better at that. He's actually gotten quite good at it. So you can have him do both, but you don't need to say, well, we need to have him do that. That to me is someone who hasn't studied the game um, and kept up with him at this stage because Cam Akers is a, you know, the thing they need to do more of with him is throw him the football because he has excellent hands and he's a, 
and let him, you know, really give him responsibilities as a route runner, he could develop into really a top five back if everything falls into place. So let's round this out with the, the NFL segment with this. Steve Smith, I saw on a on a podcast, he was asked to give his top five receivers in the NFL three months ago. So it was in the past three months that he said this. And he said, um, Odell Beckham Jr. is still one of his top five receivers in the NFL in terms of ability. You feeling that? Uh, three things. Steve Smith often says a lot of crazy things that I say, fuck it, too. Uh, uh, two, uh, I'll speak for everyone who's ever been forced to leave an aircraft because someone was acting like a jerk. Uh, fuck that. Also, speaking as someone who plays fantasy football and tries to pretend he's an NFL personnel person, I would say fuck that as well. I don't think so. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'll say this. I like... I. I'm, I'm a big fan of Steve Smith um, as a player and an assessment of other players. Um, I definitely think that he understands wide receiver play. Um, and if healthy enough, I would agree that o Odell Beckham Jr. is still one of the better route runners in the league and still catches the ball extremely well and has after-the-catch skills. But I just wonder if his knee's healthy enough to go. So I'm going to say fuck that, but with the idea that I'm feeling Steve Smith when it comes to his analysis of football players. I, so I'll, I should caveat. I, he says a lot of crazy things that I say fuck it to. Uh, but he says a lot of things that I don't. And he's one of the best interviews I've ever had. So kudos to him. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you sit down and talk to Steve Smith for like an hour, you hear a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah, Steve. Yeah. And I'll say this. Steve Smith. I, one of the things I did love about Steve Smith are some of the things that are crazy. I, that I remember early on is tuning into the combine for like five minutes and and hearing um, them talk about some wide receiver who's no longer in the league, I believe. And they had Steve Smith on watching and Cooper Cups on during the whole time where the other guy's running his mouth. And Steve Smith finally had the, you know, finally was had enough of this and goes, can we stop talking about this guy and talk about the guy that's on the screen right now? Because he might be the best route runner in this class. And I just wanted to, I wanted to hug Steve Smith at that moment, yeah, you know, because it was Cooper Cup. He's not averse to, to grabbing attention with uh, with some of his comments. That's, yeah. that'll, that, I'll leave it that. Yeah, we'll put it that way. So let's move uh, on to the NFL let me let, let me allow me, the, the draft portion of our program. Uh, what Anthony Richardson, polarizing character, Matt, is he polarizing because of public perception fueled by the what or the why? Yeah, I think it's fueled by the by the what, you know, because what I... Every time I post something about Anthony, when I've posted something about Anthony Richardson, I've done a deep dive on him on YouTube um, that just kind of talks about how good he is in the pocket with his movement, his management of pressure, and how well he does, even in those situations, manipulating defenders in the secondary to create open looks for his receivers and placing the ball in, in really awesome, um, you know, really showing awesome placement with all of that going on, which kind of defies the idea of him being this kind of raw athlete who runs really well with a big arm, who just has so much to learn about reading coverages and making good decisions and that he makes these really bad decisions. So, you know, watching other players, and I'm going to go back and watch some more Richardson as well as the other quarterbacks before I put out the RSP, but I've, you know, I've watched most of, I've probably watched two thirds of what I'm going to watch with every quarterback thus far, um, and but I've gone back and watched other watching other players, and I've seen Richardson in some tape from 2021 
where people, you know, where I can see where that narrative came from, where he's thrown untimely interceptions. And the thing is, is that when I watch those plays, the what is he made a bad decision. Um, he threw an interception and it looks like a throw that he shouldn't have made at all. But then when I look at the why he made that throw, it totally is okay with me. Like it's usually a, a down and distance situation where he's under pressure. He thought he could get away with the throw because he has a big arm and the ball came up short and it looked worse than what it really was. It, it, and to me, the what happens is people see enough of those trying to be a hero plays and they say he, he makes he's he's an awful decision maker. He can't see coverage. And it's like, no, he saw the coverage. He took the chance in the same way that Matthew Stafford or Patrick Mahomes or a lot of big arm quarterbacks see the right things. They thought they could get the ball there and just didn't. That's different than, say, Zach Wilson, who doesn't see the coverage and tries to get the ball there because he thinks that he, you know, that he thinks that he can or he sees the coverage and it's not read well and there's no reason why he should have thrown it and whereas with some with Anthony Richardson it's more about can I get the ball there far enough and if I can get it far enough there I'm going to place it where the defender has no chance to get it whereas with Wilson it's kind of like I know the defender can get there based on this look I should know that but I'm going to try and beat him there anyway is, is the oversimplified version of this lack of experience and uh, and uh, accuracy? It's the, the, yeah, that's the oversimplified version of what people are thinking when it's actually lack of, that he hasn't had a lot of experience um, and his accuracy is good, but his decisions to try and make throws with people hanging off of him in situations where he's just trying to be a hero. There's a difference between trying being a hero and thinking that you that you can make every throw, and and I know that sounds similar, but it's not. It's you know, Matt. There's times where you try and push the limits of your athletic ability, and because you've been able to, and then there's times where you think, I can just I can win. I can place this ball anywhere I want to. You know, so. You're my hero, Matt Waldman. I'm going to move on. The tight end class, 2023 tight end class, is deep and has great fantasy value in the future. I'm I'm feeling this. It's a very deep class, and I think that there is a better prospect than Kyle Pitts in this class. Um, and that, and I think that he's not. It's it's very close, but in the land, when it comes to landing spot, I think Dalton Kincaid out of Utah could wind up having the, the first season that Kyle Pitts had, but with more touchdowns. Um, he, I think he's that good. Um, and I think the the uh, the uh, Travis Kelsey comparisons are, um, are could be fitting for him. And I think there's a number of players in this class who may not have that kind of first year, but we could see some Pat Fryermuth type of play from some of these guys. There's there's a good eight to ten tight ends in this class who in three to five years could be starting in the league. They may not be fantasy starters, but they they may be fantasy plays depending on the week. Um, and there's and I think there's four to six players who could be fantasy starters. That's a strong class. 
Dalton Kincaid, no relation to Ruben, the great manager of the Partridge family. Um, uh, the buzzworthy um, guy out of the uh, Senior Bowl, Ty J. Spears. Uh, Hard-cutting style, coming off torn ACL. Uh, is that a bad combination? It is a... Um, it, it sounds like a bad combination, but really, his hard-cutting style is um, an ACL tear. Listen, there are... There are um, Eight running backs I listed yesterday who had that combination of a hard-cutting style and a past ACL injury, and six of them are in the top 25 all-time in NFL rushing attempts. So really it's about body alignment and how serious the injury was, and, and based on what he looked like after the injury, um, I don't think this should be anything that makes him a bigger risk than any other running back. I think you should stay high on him. So fuck that. Yeah what I just said. Um, um, Michael Wilson is the best route runner in this wide receiver class. Feel it or fuck it. I'm totally feeling that. I thought back in November, I finished watching him and he, if he's not there, he's very, he's very close. Um, there's a lot of Juju Smith Schuster and um, Michael Thomas to the way that he runs routes. Um, very explosive in the short area, really understands how to manipulate his pacing. Um, sharp breaks, good off the line of scrimmage to be able to win against press. He just doesn't have great deep speed. Um, but to me, he can be that guy who can be that hybrid who plays inside, outside, both um, usually as a flanker or a slot. And occasionally you can line him up for play action at the X position. Um, the big question for him is injuries. He missed 11 months with a foot injury. Um, and then he had another injury after a nice three game run for Stanford. And, um, you know, but he, he looked great in the senior bowl. Um, and yeah, the senior bowl sometimes overplays certain things, but a lot of things that he looked good doing were things that he looked good on tape. All right, the running back class in general is going to be both a fantasy dream and a fantasy nightmare. Feel that or fuck it. Yeah, all in one. And the reason is is that there's a good bit of talent on this in this class, but also there are enough guys in this class who could thrive in a gap scheme. And because the NFL's gone more towards gap schemes, gap schemes are easier for running backs to run for the most part. There are some exceptions with certain styles of play where maybe they just don't fit well in a gap scheme. But when you only have to make one decision and manipulate that one area um, and hit it hard and fast, a lot of running backs can do that. So there's guys who are going to be graded lower who might end up, you know, getting an opportunity on a team due to an injury and thriving well enough that everybody's going to go, well, everybody had those guys rated outside their top 10 or top 15 or even in their, you know, in the top 20, 25. And nobody knew where this guy was coming from. How come everybody's missing on these guys and these guys are sitting on, these other guys are sitting on the bench? You know, that's what's going to happen the next, you know, one to two years um, with this running back class based on how the NFL is going offensively. So, fair enough. Yeah. So let's do a quick round here just of some stuff that just are kind of non non football stuff. I'm just curious. All right. Feeling or fucking it? We're going to do the food edition right now. Mm. Breakfast burritos. I feel that. I mean, I've been feeling that for many years, coming from the southwestern part of this country, uh, Tucson, Arizona. And by the way, in Tucson, Arizona, the best breakfast borough ever was the egg and sausage borough at Whataburger. They made them so good there, uh, and I was a, uh, I was I'm an admitted addict. No cheese, please. I'm, you know, I passed the Whataburger um, yesterday. I may have to, I may have to check that out one day. Um, so I'm gonna. I don't have a real good um, I don't have a good answer for that one because I don't live in Tucson, Arizona. Um, though where I live has 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 enough of a population of 
of, <clears throat> of folks who do make bur burritos well. I just haven't been out to really check it out. So you let, know. Me, let me just say, as someone who's lived in Arizona, the, where the Sonoran-style Mexican food lives, uh, Albuquerque, where the New Mexican-style, obviously the more green, red chili-based, and now Dallas, <clears throat> where they do the Tex-Mex thing, uh, Tucson, the Sonoran Mexican food is where you want to be, people. I'm just saying. See, I love that. An feel informed that. opinion. Look at that. Cold pizza. You feel that? Oh, I feel pizza. Any any pizza. I don't care what it is. Uh, yeah, feel that. Totally. Yeah, totally feeling that. Especially. Oatmeal. Underrated? Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm ambivalent. I'm totally, I mean, it probably is underrated. It's, you know, it's a hearty meal, uh, you know, when prepared properly and quite delicious if you do it right as well. So uh, I'll go with underrated, but don't necessarily do a lot of the oatmeal uh, myself totally feeling it i do i do a fair bit of oatmeal so i'm i'll say it's totally underrated um celery oh feel that man there's no better vehicle for you know like not all of us can sit down and eat chips all day people uh <laughs> i like to still fit through the door uh so the celery is the the, the perfect vehicle the zero calorie vehicle for uh, whatever dip you might like whether it's hummus salsa uh, anything beyond you can use with uh with celery uh by itself <laughs> Yeah, by itself, you know, and cooking with it is good. It does add, yes. add a layer of flavor that's really nice. And yes, the vehicle for delivery is good too. Though, you know, I love people who who use that and they, they pile onto the vehicle like basically like a, a college prank on a double-decker bus or, <laughs> you know, and say, well, you know, when you eat the celery, you expend more calories to, to eat it than it actually is. Well, that's true if you don't have like, you know, five pounds of peanut butter on it, but that's a different story. Um, ginger. Sure. I love ginger. I use it often in cooking. Also, uh, don't drink the alcohol, as you well know, Matt Waldman. Uh, but the ginger beer uh, is quite tasty and has a little zip to it. Uh, so uh, someone made me drink some of that once, and it was delicious. Yeah, I'm, I'm a ginger beer fan. I'm a ginger fan. And when I'm sick, ginger, lemon, and honey, and hot water, um, that's yeah that's what that's my that's my pharmaceutical honestly right. and that and i drink tons of that and usually by day two i'm feeling better um cheese ah uh, fuck that i don't need any cheese on anything like like for many years as i've matured my palate has matured with me so i can eat the milder cheeses but as a youngster i wanted my pizza with no cheese i didn't have anything to do with cheese and still the sharper cheeses not for me bob harris fuck that Daniel Simpkins, did you hear that? Did you hear that? It's not just me who said fuck it the cheese. Um, though I can ought to say I do like hard cheeses. I like a good Gouda or a Swiss, and I like you know I'll have a little bit of hard cheese every once in a while. Um, but as melted cheese, creamy white substances, not a big not a big fan of myself. That's just not my deal. Um, so yep, fuck it. But hey, thanks again. Always a pleasure to get a chat chance to chat with you, Bob, and I'm sure I'll I'll talk with you sometime next week. We'll man. do it again next week. Love you. Yeah, Goodbye. Love you. Bye.